Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Bird 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And good morning, Birds fans. Yes, we may love to argue, but one thing I'm pretty sure we won't be arguing about today is that the Eagles are off to a pretty good start. 3-0 and after their first three games this week. We'll continue to look back at what they've accomplished the first three games and start to look ahead to the Jacksonville Jaguars coming to town. On Sunday, you got your Mac and Mac guys, McDonald and McMullen, here to hang with you. All right, J-Mac, two things we need to uh, use to kick off today's show. Number one is Nick Sirianni in his day after press conference went down a road that you correctly predicted yesterday. And also the competition in the NFC East for those who were tuned last night to the Giants and the Cowboys. Let's keep it home at first. Uh, Nick Sirianni and uh, what he had to say after the victory, day after the victory against the uh, commanders down in D.C., uh, third-party ties. Uh, you got Doug Peterson coming to town this week, which Eagle fans will certainly be interested in, and I think they will do the right thing and pay the homage they need to their only Super Bowl-winning coach in the history of the franchise, but then he'll get down to football. Uh, Nick Sirianni and Doug Peterson, their tie is, yes, they've both been head coaches for the Philadelphia Eagles, one past, one present, but they also have a good third-party friend in uh, the coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Frank Reich. Uh, you predicted yesterday that that's where uh, the head coach of the Eagles would go this week and say nice things about Doug Peterson through Frank Reich, and that's exactly what came down yesterday, Johnny Mack. 
Yeah, yeah. I I was the one who asked Nick the question about who who's getting the text message first, uh, you or Doug? And he and and Nick correctly pointed out, hey, they're in the AFC South, man. Right. He's got to be rooting for us. Uh, so he's got. He mentioned he's probably got the mojo when it comes to that. Uh, you know, Frank's a competitive guy, uh, but it is an interesting connection. Obviously, Nick doesn't know Doug that well. Um, right. Has only met him in passing. Uh, doesn't have a close relationship with them, but obviously they're both very close to Frank Reich. Uh, and there's a lot of coaches, not a lot, but there's important coaches on Doug's staff that have a very big relationship with Nick Sirianni, namely Mike McCoy, who hired him with the Chargers and was his boss for a long time. Um, and Jim Bob Cooter, who was here last year. And that was one of the strangest stories of the year. Uh, Nick just dropped him at a press conference. There's Jim Bob Cooter. And yeah, we all looked around and when did he show up? And, you know, a lot of that, to be honest, had to do with the poor start and they wanted sort of a, a sounding board, somebody who's been at a high level, uh, coaching in this league. And, um, they called him, he was not an official, he was never an official right. part Consultant. of the staff. Was that his yeah. title? Was he in uh, special projects? Consultant? Uh, you know, with basically there to give the head coach advice. So, and he, and he constantly from that point forward would, would mention Jim Bob quite a bit. Um, and he's down, uh, with Doug Peterson and Press Taylor as well. They have some kind of relationship, which I'm not sure if they cl- – I'm, I'm not sure where that stems from. i got to look deeper into that. But uh, Press is obviously the offensive coordinator. Couldn't coach here. Well, he could coach here. Then he couldn't coach here. Now he can coach again. So you'd be the judge of, of, of Press Taylor. But um, he, he took a lot of hits um, from the organization, which I think were completely, completely unfair. Um but we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of underlying storylines uh, with Doug Peterson coming back to Lincoln Financial Field, not the least of which the Eagles have a very, very good football team. And, and Jacksonville's, you know, that was the, my easiest prediction, Jody. I joked about some of my bad predictions yesterday. One of my easiest predictions was Jacksonville would be thrilled with Doug Peterson coming off Urban Meyer. I mean, that was the easiest. That's that's the easiest prediction in the world. And I think they might have been thrilled with you or I if we yeah. took over instead well, of Urban That's why Meyer. I said it's the easiest prediction in the world. But they're very happy. And, you know, they're two and one, and they just destroyed the Chargers, who are a good football team on the road. And, you know, Herbert wasn't healthy and all that stuff. But still, that's a pretty impressive performance. And and Trevor Lawrence, all of a sudden, you know, we talked about way back in the day when Carson went, you know, people don't, they want to, they want to do all the revisionist history and act like Carson Wentz wasn't a good quarterback before all the injuries and all the nonsense started. He was a very good quarterback in 2017. A lot of that had to do with the so-called quarterback incubator of Peterson, Frank Wright, John DiPolippo. Well, he did the same thing in Jacksonville. You have Peterson, you have Mike McCoy, um, you have Jim Bob Cooter, um, sort of bringing those guys with tons of experience around quarterbacks, around a young quarterback, and you're seeing quick advancement from Trevor Lawrence, who's got a heck of a lot of talent, Jody. 
He got a lot of talent. That's why he was the number one pick in the draft, deservedly. So you might not have known it off last year's statistics, but it was a bad football team that he was joining that was just decimated from within by their head coach, which is never a good thing. So, yes, the Jaguars are a much more formidable opponent coming in this week than they would have been in past years. Um, About the matchup between these two teams, coming back to – uh, Philadelphia, Doug Peterson. I saw a little of his media availability yesterday, and he said all the right things and had a legit smile on his face when he talked about returning to Philadelphia. Uh, yes, Anna Show, we talked plenty about the fact that the Eagles have, although been scheduled for one road game, uh, one home game, and two road games, it seems like they've actually played two home games because they, for the most part, all owned the stadium on Sunday with uh, Was- with uh, Washington. At home, uh, Doug Peterson coming in. Once the first kickoff goes off, I think that it's uh, basically a game between the Jaguars and the Eagles. What kind of reception does Doug Peterson get? Because <clears throat> I know it is probably more of a talk radio thing than a Birds 365 thing, but it does intrigue me on uh, the behavior of the Eagle fans and major thumbs up for how they behaved Sunday going down to Washington and taking over that house. And uh, and no, no major issues or incidents with the Eagle fans. How do you think they handled Dougie P on Sunday? Yeah, I would, I would be stunned if it's anything less than uh, applause and, and thank you and cheers and that kind of, until the kickoff, obviously. And then, it's understandable. It's not going to be a Jalen Rager situation where every time he sets foot on the field, everybody's going to boo. I mean, why would Eagles fans be upset about Doug Peterson? They might not have liked the way it ended. Certainly four 11 and one, that was a disaster of a season. A lot of moving parts, the pandemic, big part of it. But I mean, there's one Super Bowl championship in this organization's history. And that's the guy that got it for him. Um, Andy Reid came back and they were very appreciative. Um, I don't, I don't see any difference here. Um, um, when Doug Peterson comes back, it's not going to be Carson Wentz angst, Jalen Rager angst. I mean, this guy did a lot for the organization. You and I talked about it. Look, I think Nick Sirianni's doing a great job, great job, but I still don't think this is before Nick Sirianni. So put Nick Sirianni aside. I don't think they should have fired Doug Peterson. I think he should have gotten one more chance. Then if he doesn't turn it around, then you go in a different direction. Um, That's my personal belief. I still believe that. Um, He did so much for this organization, this city, uh, getting him over the hump. And then I think people forget with all the injuries and all that kind of stuff, still got to the playoffs two other times. Um, there's nothing not to be appreciative of. And he was a good guy as well on top right. of it. Nothing. There, there's only one thing that there's not to be appreciative of. And yours truly has been following the Philadelphia Eagles in town here for 32 years. And I was really pretty surprised. I knew be back in the early 90s uh, when Reggie White left the Philadelphia Eagles and went to the Green Bay Packers. And we all know full well the story, or I think most do, that Norman Brayman, the owner of the Eagles, never even made him an offer. They just knew what Reggie's asking price was going to be. And Brayman said at the time, I'm not paying a football player that. So he, he, it wasn't like Reggie chose to leave the Philadelphia Eagles. He never had an offer to stay 
and he's one of the greatest defenders of all time. I was there the day when the Green Bay Packers came into town, and there were more boos than cheers when Reggie came out onto the field, which I was just floored and flabbergasted by because it just didn't make any sense. You've got one of the greatest players of all time, wore your uniform. Your owner basically showed him the door to leave town, and they booed him for one reason and one reason only. He wasn't wearing eagle green. He was wearing Packer green. And Eagle well, I fans, agree. When kickoff Eagle fans starts, can be harsh about that. No, yeah, I'm talking when... about introductions. I'm talking about before the game even started. There were more boos than cheers for Reggie White. That well, day, number one, I think I think players are a little bit different um, than than coaches because obviously they're going to be on the field. Number number two, I think. In you, you know. I, I think things are more obvious today than they were back then. I, I, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think, you know, maybe a lot of fans didn't have that information, didn't understand that Reggie White. Uh, well, or well, didn't, then they weren't listening to WIP because we were talking yeah, about I, it. I just don't think, I just don't think now everything is put through the ringer. That's why, right? That's why this show exists. It, it's, it is 24 7, 365. Um, I don't think it was like that back then. Now I could be wrong, um, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was under the microscope as much as it is now. Especially the contract stuff. Especially the, the you know, there was no spot track or over the cap back then. There was no constant talking like we're, you know, we're back in the off season. You and I were pointing out, hey, this is it for Jalen Hurts. I mean, this he's eligible for an extension after this season. That's how far ahead of that story we were. Um, I don't think it was like that as much back then. Um, I know when I first started covering the league, it wasn't as big a part of it, the, the business aspect of it. So I don't think I, – I think there's more attention paid to it. I think there's more education on it. I think fans are better understanding of what's going on. Not all, but a, a lot, certainly the passionate ones. Um well, that's just my take. And uh, but at the end of the day, no, you shouldn't have booed Reggie White. So if if and, there's some older fans did. back there, no, you shouldn't have booed the Reggie first White. player that I ever saw. And there's been a lot of players that have left and come back here to Philadelphia during my 30 plus years. First one I ever saw get more cheers than booze was B Doc. Uh, and that was a little bit after Reggie and certainly more into the era of understanding the details between what came down between the team and the player. The Eagles, again, decided to move away from the player. They could have kept Brian Dawkins, but the Broncos were willing to offer a more significant contract that the Eagles just didn't think he was worth. And they got that one wrong. Um, but well, yeah, what about he, AI? Let me tell you, I don't remember. What about well, I was in the house that night. He was I was in I was in the uh, was that Wells Fargo already? Yeah, they were over to yeah, Wells Fargo yeah. already. But um, he was so popular. I yeah. don't remember. I don't he, got, booth. he got major cheers. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. the yeah, Sixer so fans popular. I think Sixer fans are a little different than Eagle fans. Oh yeah. Allen Iverson got ninety yeah. ten cheers over uh, booze when he returned. So a yeah. l- l- little bit different. Um, but you made a good point about uh, Andy. Andy certainly got more cheers than he did boost, which you're right. Coaches and players might be a little bit different. 
I expect it to be a uh, very welcoming response when Doug Peterson puts uh, it take, jogs out onto the field. Which yesterday, did you see the video on Doug? He's wearing a hat. What happened to the visor? He'll he's, have the visor game day, I would think. I've been paid attention. I assume he has a visor game day in Jackson. He's got a little bit more uh, trim to the hair these days, not yeah. going much mullet back there the way he usually does. He had a regular hey, man. In season, you see Nick Sirianni, the wild gest- gesticulation with the beard, not the beard. You know, you don't have time to shave in season. <laughs> we'll see what uh, Dougie looks like when he comes out. All right, Giants and Cowboys last night. Johnny Mac, here was my impression. I kind of like both teams' defenses. I was impressed by the defensive. Yeah, Wink Martindale should be the Eagles' defensive coordinator, man. That's who the Eagles want. Eagles fans want Wink Martindale. They, they, there's got to be a Jonathan Gannon for Wink Martindale trade because that yeah. guy's aggressive. Dude. Don't, you know, don't know if I'd go there, but that's okay. The Giants uh, did play uh, pretty well defensively last night. The Cowboys played really well defensively for me. The the Giants came out at least the way that it looked on TV. They were not going to let Michael Parsons beat him. They had an extra guy with an eye on him. We're not going to let this guy beat us. Oh, so everybody else did on defense from the Cowboys. They played a really good defensive team. Daniel Jones looked a lot like Carson Wentz to me running for his life on almost. Well, he had, he faced more pressure, 24 (laughs) pressures. Uh, on Daniel Jones, uh, Carson only had 17, and Carson was under siege. Uh, so yeah, the the Cowboys were getting it. Hey, the Cowboys, you know, they have some. I said their their roster's top heavy, but the top of their roster is good. And CD Lamb didn't play well last night. Dropping, oh, man, dropping did passes he drop all a wide over open the place. Path. Yeah. And that typically isn't going to happen. But when you talk about Micah Parsons, and yeah, everybody's scared to death of that guy. And then, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, who got, I think he got banged up. I think he got hurt. So uh, maybe that helps the Eagles move moving forward. Trayvon Diggs is just a playmaker. And people, you know, you have that debate. Well, he gives up, you know, but, you know, that guy makes plays uh, and he turns games. Um, so their roster is very top heavy, but the top of their roster is, and you know who else played well? Jason Peters at left guard played yeah. pretty well, played pretty darn that well. Just that looked wrong when he came out on yeah. the field playing guard, no less. Remember all the fall duel and fiddle D about him playing guard? Yeah, he was playing they, guard. He was that's playing where he guard played last the night. Injury. They plugged him in yeah. at guard. They didn't move Smith back into the, the, the guard. Yeah, when JP attacked. Well, no, they told better. Jason get in there. You're playing guard. And it just kind of bothered me because remember he was uh, brought back to be a guard and then they had an injury and they moved them back out the left tackle. Oh, well now you got to pay me as a left tackle. Yeah. What do you mean? You already signed your contract. Yeah. Well, I've been speaking to said, Doug. Yeah, we need to renegotiate on the fly here. since you're going to be using me at tackle again and tackles get paid more money. Oh no. Yeah, we- That was the Andre Dillard person. Andre was going to be the starting left tackle. I, I remember uh, Doug Peterson uh, trying to explain that that was a difficult for him one for him because you know Doug obviously has no control over the contract stuff and now we know the roster stuff um, and you know Jason signed to play I think he signed to play right guard um, and uh, it, it, the injury happened and all of a sudden they had to move him out but the, he wouldn't agree to go out there until they redid it mm-hmm. and and for a couple uh, weeks in practice he's still playing right and we kept asking Doug Peterson why isn't Jason playing left tackle and he had to you know 
end around that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a difficult one. But even though I was impressed by both teams' defense, I wasn't really impressed by either team's offense. Pollard had one really good run, got into the second. Well, it's Cooper Rush and Daniel Jones. There's no surprise there. Yeah. It's not Tom Brady and Peyton Manning in their primes. And nope, nobody is uh, putting uh, Jalen Hurts in that category anymore with those two guys. All all Cooper Rush does is win games, though. Uh, You know, he's got the highest winning percentage of a starting quarterback in NFL history. I'm just saying, Jim. That's true. You you like to use that phrase, small sample. That would be Cooper Rush. (laughs) He does win games. Uh, Believe me when I tell you. Well, well, no, Dak might actually be back by not this upcoming week, but the week after. They think he might be back for the Commanders week four. Jerry Jones does at least. I know Jerry said that. No, No chance. Not happening. Do you know off the top of your head who the Cowboys play next week? Washington. I should know. Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, Cooper Rush could actually uh, be shown his seat back on the bench as an undefeated starting NFL quarterback. All right, McMullen and McDonald hanging with you. We'll stick around here for another hour and, no 40 minutes. We got plenty of time to chat you up. We're chatting next with our bud, Mr. Special Ed himself, Ed Kratz from uh, Sports Illustrated, JB's running, uh, Johnny Mac's running mate over there at SI. He joins us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first. <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
Tuesday get-together here on Birds 365. Joined by John's pal from Sports Illustrated. Uh, we like to call him Game Day Crest, but we can't get him on Game Days anymore because Friday is too cramped to schedule for him. Nick That's Sirianni. why we didn't get him on Come this on, week. Nick. Go later, Nick Sirianni. Yeah, Close you, circuit. You, you, both you guys need to twist the coach's arm a little I bit. Know. Um, I know. So we missed out on Ed prior to the uh, Commanders game. You did like the Eagles against the Commanders, didn't you, Ed? Yeah, I picked them to win 24 to 8. I don't know if you heard. Really? Uh, that that was a pretty good prediction on your yeah. part. <laughs> well, it is Tuesday, right? So it's it's kind of a hindsight prediction. But, yeah. Uh, no, I did have them winning and I had them covering. So uh all good there. I I had them winning. I didn't have them covering. It was seven, right? Seven uh what was it? Six and a half. Six, six and, and a half. half. I had them winning by six, so I was off on that one. Yeah, and I was I was twenty eight twenty. I thought you know Carson Wentz would find a way to score. <laughs> what was I wrong about that? Uh, yeah, uh, pretty impressed. We'll start with the defense because you know Carson was under siege. It was evident. You know they knew. Look, they know better than anybody. You hit Carson early, and he starts to get a little bit flustered. Now that's any quarterback, but it's it's ramped up to times ten with Carson. And he tries to, you know, push things. He holds on to the football. They got the two force fumbles. I thought the turning point of the game was Brandon Graham going Super Bowl 52 on, on Carson. That was the – they had just kicked the field goal. Um, Washington, so it's a 3 nothing game. They have an opportunity to answer, and all of a sudden, I think it was the second play, strip sack, Brandon Graham, short field, Dallas Goddard, touchdown, game over. I think 17 pressures at Kratz. How good was that defensive line? Or was it the Washington O-line? Well, I think a lot of it, it was probably everything, but, you know, a big part of it was Carson Wentz just, you know, that he holds the ball too long. Oh, and, yeah. You know, that was the thing I was saying going into the game to some other uh, people was, you know, if the Eagles have to say after this game he got the ball out quick, uh, you know, I don't want to hear it. I mean, that's always the go-to when they don't get the sacks or the pressure as well. The quarterback got the ball out quick. Carson Wentz is not known for getting the ball out quick. So that they knew he was going to hold the ball, and they know his fumble history. So they were just not going to attack him. They were going to attack the ball because he's laid it down, I think, 67 times in his career going into this game. He fumbled it twice. Hassan Reddick also had a, a really nice game with that strip sack. But, yeah, you could say Graham's play was probably, you know, the turning point. It set up that 23-yard screen pass touchdown to Dallas Goddard. But, man, I'll tell you, Fletcher Cox really set the tone for me. I mean, in that first quarter, he's the one that was in there first. Him and Josh Sweat met at the quarterback. And then Cox got another sack all by himself. And, and that just kind of opened the floodgates. Four sacks in the first quarter. So, uh, you know, Wentz was hit early. He was hit often. And that was just an amazing game by the defensive line. I mean, nine sacks don't come along very often in an NFL football game. Um, I remember years ago when Troy Aikman, I think, was a rookie. The Eagles sacked him yeah. like maybe 12 times. 11. Yeah, 11, 11 times. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you have to enjoy this one because I don't think they'll sack the quarterback nine times again this year. They may not do it for another couple of years. Yeah, probably uh, not. So, probably yeah, not. I mean, it was just a great job. And, the, and what I liked was that – Gannon didn't really have to pressure a whole lot, right? He didn't have to send that extra blitzer uh, to get the pressure. That pressure was generated all from the front four. And, yeah, the, the Washington offensive line isn't the best. The center was a replacement. But, you know, a lot of the pressure came from the edge, too. I know they were bull yeah. rushing up the middle, but 
Eagles. Well, they have bad tackles as well. Sam Cosme yeah, had yeah, a bad Sam game. Sam Cosme had a bad game. I know yeah. they're really high on him, but uh, th- that whole offensive line did not play at all well enough. But then Carson gets his share of the blame for not getting it out quick enough, but he never gets the ball out quick enough. Yeah. All right, Ed, since we went there, let me follow up there. We all love to make our predictions. 2023, the Washington Redskins starting quarterback will be Carson Wentz or someone other than Carson Wentz? Well, I, you know, Jody, I know how much you loved Sam Howe coming into the draft. We've talked about him before. (laughs) But to me, he was my favorite quarterback coming into this draft. What a terrible group of quarterbacks. Well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, it was just not. I bet you Kenny Pickett's better than Mitchell Trubisky. I haven't seen him play, but I bet you he's better. We might see him play when the Steelers come to Philadelphia in a few weeks. Uh, He might be lining up behind center. But, um, yeah, I, I just like Sam Howe. I mean, I've always liked Sam Howe. So that's true. I forgot you were a big Howe guy. I'm a ba- <laughs> I am. So if you're looking at a quarterback in 2023 that's not going to be Carson Wentz down there in Washington, I'm going to say Sam Howe. I think it's going to be Sam Howe. Sam Howe. Yeah. yeah. I hate right. so here's, here's my follow-up question. <clears throat> Where will Carson be backing up next year? Ooh. That's a good one. I, I'll I be a grad assistant uh, coach at North <laughs> oh, State. Grad, you went grad assistant on him. I'm a Mullen. Wow. What's I don't know what his contract is. I can't. I, I'm sure he's. Got yeah. No, he's fine. He's going to be fine. Yeah, I think there's a chance that he could be a backup in Washington. I mean, they may open the door to an open quarterback competition and and see where it goes. I mean, you just can't. I mean, this is his second team in two years right so third team in three three years years. (laughs) if you count three yeah i mean i i just don't uh i I don't see who would want to take him in that contract to be a backup so i think washington's kind of stuck with him uh unless they want to cut him and eat whatever the money hit is i don't know i'm not you know when carson left i kind of checked out on all things carson contract and otherwise so i'm not sure but but Again, you know, there, there's never there's never 32 starting quarterbacks in this league, and yeah. I don't mean that literally because there is 32. I mean that figuratively, <laughs> guys who deserve to be starting quarterbacks. So you think about what the Eagles were able to get from Indianapolis, then you think about what Indianapolis was able to get from Washington or that type of quarterback. There's a lot of desperation. So you never say never, and – you know, it's Jalen Hurts. I don't want to go all Jalen Hurts on you, but never get too high, never get too low. He had a bad game. We'll see if he can rebound. I do want to go back to what we talked about with the defensive line, though, from this perspective, Ed. We'll get the happy Tuesday to you. We'll get to talk to JG uh, later uh, this morning. But, um, you know, he doesn't want to blitz. He didn't have to blitz. But – you know, as you pointed out, this is kind of an anomaly. Uh, a quarterback is going to hold on to the football. Does that kind of success maybe down the road hurt a little bit from that perspective, thinking, oh, I can get home with four? And that's not always necessarily going to be the case. Well, you know, he said last week, Jonathan Gannon, that it's all situation you know what happens during a game so I mean if he's not getting home with four you know in future games I would hope that he would see that and say hey we, we got to start bringing pressure I mean it's not like he didn't blitz I think he blitzed on the first play of the game yeah uh, he blitzed yeah. so 
uh, I would hope not. I would hope, you know, JG's a smart guy. I think he would recognize the fact that, hey, my guys aren't getting home. I need to bring somebody. I mean, I think he, you know, maybe he's getting a little more comfortable with the personnel groupings and, you know, with, you know, the scheme and what he can play week to week that, yeah, I think, I, I don't think he would get blinded by the fact that, Hey, I, I, I got to get home with my four. I got to get home with my four and try to get that square peg into a round hole. I would like to think he would be able to adjust and, and, and uh, send pressure if need be. Uh, by the way, I looked it up while uh, you guys were talking Carson Wentz dead cap hit. If he lasts this season going into 2023, zero, they can get out and not wow. home a thing. Yeah. So it was karate, karate assistant. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Johnny Mac might have hit that nail on the head. Yeah. All right, uh, yeah. opinion question. You first, Ed, but Johnny Mac, I'd, I'd like you to chime in as well. <clears throat> Which of the Eagles' two coordinators? Well, make it three. Put Michael Clay in there if you want. Which of the three Eagles coordinators is most likely to have a Ken Dorsey moment and just lose his mind? Uh, be it uh, Shane Steichen, Jonathan Gannon. Or Michael Clay, or is it as obvious as yeah? None of those guys are really built that way. That they would go psycho in the up in the booth if something went against them. I hope everybody knows the uh, reference I'm making to the Bills' uh, new offensive coordinator who just lost his you know what uh, after the Bills couldn't uh, get that last score against Miami on Sunday. Which could because uh, they all seem pretty damn mild mannered to me. Which one is most likely to just go off the deep end? Yeah, I, I, I don't I, I don't think any of them are wired that way. You know, John and I have both talked to these guys off the podium, you know, on the sidelines of practice, and I just don't see them wired that way to, to lose their cool like that. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to go nobody, but oh, for- there's certainly, you know, times in a game where they probably feel like doing that, but uh, I don't think they would. I think they want to keep their cool, and, you know, when you lose your cool like that, that's a bad look, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, they, yeah, I agree with that. They're not built like that. But if they forced me to pick one, I would pick Gannon because he's got so much energy, which people don't realize. Like, he's bouncing off the walls. Um, but he never whereas, shows that on the sidelines either. No. Anytime but, they ever uh, go to shot him, he's standing there stoically, staring yeah, yeah. out at the field. If he's well, got because all it's energy, not, he it's does not, a good job storing it. Yeah. It's not in his nature. Ed's right. It's not going to happen to any of them. But Shane Steichen, I mean, no, never. I'm just saying there's like a 0% chance for Shane Steichen, a 2% chance for Michael Clay, and I I bump it up to 5% to John. That's what I'm saying. Hey, what about Nick Sirianni? I mean, Sirianni. Yeah, Nick will do that. You you can see him on the sidelines, you know, throwing the play chart or pulling the headsets off and slamming them down. I mean, I'll punch I'll you in the face if, on that. If, if you ace him in tennis, especially if you're wearing the Giants hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He, he's got that temper, man. Yeah. I'll tell he's you, got he's, a bad, he's, he's a fiery got a guy. Temper. Yeah, he's yeah. got a big temper. So yeah, Nick is the one. Joe. Yeah, Nick's yeah. the one. Eddie, uh, I got to give Devonte Smith his credit because he had a breakout game this past week. Man, um, best of his early NFL career. And for those who worried when he took a goose egg week one and didn't have uh, any receptions for any yards. Yeah. We told you not to worry. You shouldn't have worried. Uh, And he proved that uh, this past week. Uh, That's the one of the things that has pressed me so far more than anything else. That is 
the balance to the Eagles, balance between offense and defense, balance of the run to the pass, balance of who's making the plays and who's getting the football. And that's credit to all the coaches, starting from Nick and heading straight down to all the coordinators and the positional coaches. Not only are the Eagles 3-0, and but they're a balanced 3-0. and Are they not, Ed? Yeah, well, they well, they rushed it 30 times or they had 30 listed attempts. They didn't do much with them. They only gained 72 yards on the ground. I mean, that that was a, a big surprise. You know, the, the, the commanders came in uh, not being able to stop the run, and the Eagles just couldn't run 30 carries. But to your point, yeah, the balance was there. Hurts only threw it 32 times, I believe, 30 runs. So, yeah, that that's, you know, you couldn't script a better game plan than that. Um, and as, as far as Devonte Smith goes, my good, you know, I was, my jaw was on the, you know, on that little cramped press box table in FedEx field, uh, <laughs> watching him because a lot of those plays he made were down toward the end zone where John and I were sitting, right. I mean, right in front of us. And, uh, listen, I think the best game I ever saw from an Eagles receiver was probably in the Super Bowl down in Jacksonville when Terrell Owens had that game coming off the coming out of the hyperbaric chamber with his broken <laughs> leg and catching nine passes for 123 yards. But, you know, I put Devonte Smith's game, you know, a close second at this point, having, you know, live, having seen these Eagles receivers for a number of years live. I mean, just the way he flies through the air and catches the ball and holds on to it. I mean, he, when he hurt his back, I, it was reminiscent of Tyree Jackson, when he in summer camp last year went up high and landed on his back and broke his back. When I saw Devontae yeah, do that at the yeah. goal line, I thought, my goodness, it, because he came up holding his back. I thought, you know, I hope he didn't break his back like Tyree did. I mean, that that was the kind of play that Jackson broke his back on. But Smith said afterward he just lost his win, needed to catch his breath right back out there, and then makes that another great catch on fourth and goal in the end zone over Kendall Fuller. But just his ability to control his body, get high like that, Toe tap on the sidelines. You just can't say enough about that game that he played. To me, after the defense, he was my second biggest takeaway from that game. Uh, you know, and and that just shows you how far Jalen Hurts has come. That he's not usually Jalen Hurts is your first or second takeaway coming out of a game, but in this game, to me, it was the defense and Devontae, and then probably Jalen. So, uh, you know, you can't say enough about the, the the balance that Eagles offense had in Washington. And throughout the season, really, like you said, Jody, and then Devontae Smith, just just an amazing performance from him. Yeah. Now, I got the luxury of seeing Randy Moss early in his career, so it's not the best game I've ever seen from a receiver. But from when I've been covering the Eagles, and I wasn't here for T.O., you were, I believe, Ed. Um, now, I was, yeah, I was like for, the third, I was like the third guy. On yeah. that, Ruben Frank was, you know, I was at the Courier Times prior to what I'm doing now, but um, I was down in Jacksonville when I saw that game, but I wasn't like full time on the beat, so I, I didn't go to all the games and this and that, just kind of in the postseason is when I, when they dusted me off and sent me to the games, but, uh, but that game T.O. had in, in the Super Bowl was just, yeah. Awesome. And, and from when I've been here, um, the best wide receiver performance I've ever seen from an Eagles player. Week one, A.J. Brown in Detroit. Number two, week three, Devontae Smith in, yeah. in Washington. Think this about group, this, yeah. you this, would You would rank A.J.'s performance the first yeah. week over. I, I am so yeah. in love with A.J. Brown as a player. <laughs> I, I can't believe how good he is. Yeah. Um, and I think, 
you know, don't get me wrong. Everybody deserves credit that, that catch. And, you know, Ed mentioned the the 44 yard catch where, where Devante got the wind knocked out of him. That was unbelievable. To me, the touchdown was even better. I mean, he high punt, he, he Randy Moss, that football, he high pointed it uh, over uh, Kendall Fuller. Um, Just a tremendous, tremendous play. But man, AJ Brown, he he's the domino man. Like like Devontae's a great receiver, but if you're measuring up against other number ones, you're you're like eh, he's pretty good, still pretty good, but you know probably 10, 15, somewhere in that range. Um, as a number two, he might be the best number two receiver in football. The domino effect of AJ Brown to this offense and what it does. You saw it last year. It was, you know, Devontae and Dallas Goddard. And then at the end of the season, it was Dallas Goddard and Devontae. Pretty good players, right? But defenses could get a beat on them. Now you have AJ, who's, you know, one of the best number one wide receivers on any team. And all of a sudden, Devontae's your second or third. Dallas is your second or third. What do you do? What do you do if you're an opposing defensive coordinator? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, yeah, listen, Brown and Smith are just two different different players. I mean, Brown's the big physical 6'1", 225. Uh, You know, I'm getting this football, just throw it to me. I mean, that catch he had on that third and goal throw from the nine, uh, he just out physical. I think it was Benjamin St. Just on that play. Who's I mean, just, like the biggest corner there is, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and, and Brown St. caught it at like the one and a half or two yard line and then just kind of bulled his way in from there. So he's the big physical receiver. Smith is the more, probably more polished route runner. The, the you know, the, the actual, you know, he's a receiver playing receiver. You could say Brown's like a linebacker playing receiver the way he's <laughs> built. Yeah, but um, he moves like a receiver. Yeah. But I mean, by the way, Jalen's worst throw of the game, Ed, should have been a touchdown to A.J. Brown. He was open on that deep shot, and, and he got the ball out late, uh, and it didn't work. So people, so that should have been like a 50-something yard touchdown. And that was uh, in the second half. We would yeah. we could get off the narrative of, hey, why can't this team score in the second half? But be that as it may, uh, you know, Brown is, I think he was tied for eighth in, in the league coming into the game in third down uh, catches and yards. I think he had four for 70 something. He came out of that with two more catches on third down, including that touchdown. Now he's up to like six for 94 on third down. So he's the guy that, you, that obviously hurts is looking for on third down because, you know, that guy's going to get open like his little sign in his locker says Inside the locker room, he's got the little sign, always open. So you know that on third down, on that money down, Brown's going to get open and Hurts is going to look for him and he's going to go to him. So I expect uh, Brown to probably climb in that category in the NFL of third down receiving leaders. Like I said, tied for eighth coming in, might rise a spot or two after this week's performance. I don't know how the other receivers did, but uh, we'll know probably tomorrow uh, when the NFL releases its uh, ranks. All right, Eddie, I got uh, one more wide receiver question for you. Uh, What week will we see, re-see, the Zach Pascal powered jet sweep play? Will (laughs) Will that be coming back anytime soon? 
I would say Nakobe Dean probably has a better chance at getting reps than <laughs> seeing Zach Pascal sweep the edge <laughs> again. You know, Nick said yesterday that, you know, he probably should have called a timeout there. Um, he, he still had two, I think, in the half, and it was, you know, the half was winding down. And what and it was a great drive. I mean, they they converted four straight first downs going from, I think, their own 12. You know, it started with a Miles Sanders 13-yard run. There was two receptions, I think, to Pascal and Smith for 13, and then the big hitter to Brown for 38. So that was a great-looking drive. And, you know, to not get any points out of it, that that could have hurt in a, in a tighter game, no doubt. So um, I wouldn't expect to see that one anytime soon. Uh, the Eagles just don't do a good job with those jet sweeps for some reason. You see other teams do it. The Commanders did it on the first play of the game. They Yeah, yeah well, you got to have Samuels. a player like Curtis Samuel. You can't do it with Zach Pascal. I mean, well, what about Jalen Rager? They tried yeah. it with Rager. He couldn't do it either. I mean, they well, got to find somebody that can do it or they got to yeah. block it better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jalen Rager has the physical gifts, but obviously doesn't have the, uh, well, by the about, way, pro- how about, how about John's man crush? Let's power sweep, uh, AJ Brown. Nah, it's not that type of linebacker player. playing wide receiver. Give him the ball. Let him run. He could probably do it. He's so good. He could probably do it. By the and way, it's hard to bring down. Like that's yeah. another thing about it. being that size. It, it might work. You might want to try AJ Brown. He's a big dude, man. He becomes a running back after he catches the ball. So exactly. what the heck? Give it a shot. Think about all the problems this team's had at receiver in, in the Doug Peterson era. Doug's coming back right now. Pro football focus. Number three, AJ Brown. Number eight, Devontae Smith two top 10 receivers in the entire NFL for a team that never, never has receivers. You brought up a name. Now, I don't know if you get this, Ed, but I get this every week. Where's N'Kobe Dean? Where's N'Kobe Dean? Why isn't N'Kobe Dean playing? Is anybody watching TJ Edwards? Because TJ ain't coming off the field. I'm just, I'll, I'll bring linebackers in this league, pro football focus. Number three, T.J. Edwards. I, I thought it was two, but maybe after last night, because I saw the rankings yesterday, so maybe he dropped. It might spot. be two. Might be two. Yeah. Two or three. All right. Let's. He's just controlling the middle of that field, T.J. Edwards. I mean, he should be the first guy in line for an extension, in my opinion. The Eagles have like what eighteen guys on one-year deals. Yeah. Yeah. So who who are you going to do? Who are you going to re- re- you know bring back? What's Edwards? Twenty-seven. He's been in the system for five years or so, three years, four years. I don't remember, but. He's just dominating the middle. I mean, he had 10 tackles against the Commanders, 10 against the Vikings. He's going to lead this team in tackles. He was second on the team in tackles last year behind uh, Alex Singleton, but he had 125 of those. I mean, this guy just tackles. He's a little better in the coverage game. He understands the defense. You know, when you look at that play, when Carson Wentz tried to do that throwback screen or whatever it was to Samuel, when he faked to the right, turned around and threw it to Samuel, TJ Edwards and Avante Maddox, who, by the way, is playing excellent football too, both those guys, they didn't bite on that fake to the right. They were right there, and they just closed before Wentz even threw that football on Samuel and held it to, like, no gain or one-yard gain. Um, but Edwards, to me, and, John, you've been consistent with him, you know, for the last year that he's their best linebacker, and, you know, he, he is their best linebacker. And, again, the Eagles never thought N'Kobe Dean would be there in the third round. So they drafted him because, okay, he's great value in the third round, but they, there was no plan for them to take – a linebacker maybe until Kyron Johnson in the sixth round. So he's now a luxury that you have a depth piece that you can use. 
And, you know, like I said, Edwards on a one-year deal. At the end of this year, it's over. The Eagles should resign him. But Kaiser White also on a one-year deal, who I think is just as good, if not better, than T.J. Edwards. But he's a guy that they might not resign because they know they have Nakobe. So your linebackers next year could be Edwards and Dean um, because Kaiser White will probably leave. But Kaiser White is very, very good. I mean, there's he can tackle. He can cover. uh, He's aggressive. And it's a tough call between the two of those guys who you're bringing back. But I would bring back Edwards. How do you make a good point in a week where the Eagles got nine sacks, one from uh, Mr. Edwards and the eight others from the defensive line? Oh, Kaiser White played great on Sunday. And James Bradbury, there's a reason that you get nine sacks because the initial coverage is there. Nobody's breaking open off the line of scrimmage. Bradbury and Slay both played great, which gave the guys a chance to get home and those were two very key Howie Roseman acquisitions this offseason. Yeah. White and Bradbury that you got to give the general manager credit for. Yeah, Bradbury Bradbury for the second week in a row has played 100% yeah, of the Don't tell Groats that. Yeah, Bob Groats is that. a little yeah. anti Bradbury. We're, we're working on him though. I think are, yeah. are we are we beating up on Groats here? He said yeah, that after the first week. Oh no. Oh no. Bradbury missed that tackle badly. Against I, I know. I get. It's, listen, it's the only bad face. play that Bradbury's made in three weeks. Yeah. But that's when we had Groats on, and he called him out. As, for it, as, as we say in the business, Jody, we have some <laughs> off the record stuff that you don't know about. Oh, really? So, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. I don't know from whence I speak. We um, carpooled down to DC together, John, me, and Bob Groats and Martin Frank. And oh, you I, did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The four you four ugly guys in a car. My God, how did you yeah. not get pulled over for ugliness? Yeah. Well, there was nobody. Everybody got out of our way when we were doing ninety down ninety five. I shouldn't say no. We weren't doing ninety. I Who was, was driving. driving. I Ed was. was driving. Um, but you got, you got it, a little bit of so a leg foot on your crats. I appreciate that. I appreciate uh, the fact that speed limits are optional in some uh, areas. Uh, yeah. Ninety five being one of them. Yeah. All right, uh, Eddie. Uh, this is probably overstated. This is probably a sports talk radio thing more than a uh, uh, hardcore Eagles thing. The fact that Doug Peterson is coming back and he's the former coach of the Eagles. There are some players still on this team that certainly Doug coached and were part of the championship team. Is there an advantage to be had between one of these two parties? Does Doug have more of an advantage knowing the tendencies of his former Eagle players or do those former Eagle players have an advantage because they know the tendencies of Doug Peterson? Is there an advantage to be had or is this something that's blatantly overrated on both sides? That's a good question for the week, Jody. I'm going to explore that in depth with, uh, you know, in some of these locker room trips this week and with some of these coaches, but, you know, I, I would think that, listen, he knows the players. He knows what they do well. But this is a different scheme that Nick Sirianni's running, okay? It's not like what Doug Peterson tried to run. So I'm not sure it's an advantage in that regard. Yeah, he knows the players. And, you know, the it might be an advantage for the Eagles because they know what Doug Peterson runs. They know his scheme. But it's different personnel. And I think the Jags personnel is pretty darn good. I mean, they've had the first overall pick for the last, like, 10 years, right? <laughs> It feels like it, but you know, they've had high draft picks for years and years. So, you know, they have good personnel. So maybe they're a little more familiar with how Doug is deploying that personnel. Um, But again, it's 
it's the personnel they've never seen before or played against before. So yeah, it might be an advantage. They know kind of what that's doing, but now you have to go out and execute and block these guys and tackle them and rush Trevor Lawrence. But yeah, I would say it's probably more of an advantage for the Eagles players knowing Doug, what he runs than it is for Doug uh, knowing what they do because it's a different scheme that Nick Sirianni's running. All right. SI.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. Last one from me, Ed, on a happy Tuesday. We'll, we'll talk about that. Frank Reich obviously has a relationship with both Nick and, and Doug, but Nick brought up the great point. He's got to get the answer first, right? He's got to get the text message answered first because they're rivals, Jacksonville and Indianapolis. So Frank's got to go hardcore, right? He's going to be helping out the Eagles. He's got to. Well, how much help is it when, you know, the Colts can't win in Jacksonville? I mean, that's a house of horrors. Yeah. I think they're yeah. like 0-7 down there in the last seven years. 24-nothing. 24-nothing they beat so, Indianapolis. You know, what, what help is Frank going to be? I mean, come on. He can't, he can't even win down there in Jacksonville. I mean, you know, cross him off the list. You know, yeah. go with your gut. Yeah. But you mentioned the talent of this team. They're a little bit like Detroit week one in that you pick in the top 10. For them, it's been number one, number one, back-to-back years. All of a sudden, you wake up one day, Tony Khan wakes up in between booking wrestling cards and says, oh, I got some pretty good players. That kind of happened to Jacksonville. And all of a sudden, you don't have an embarrassment of the coach getting grinded on because he can't come back with the team after a loss. Um <laughs> This is this is a talented team. Is this the first test for the Philadelphia Eagles this year? Well, they had, they had a test in Detroit, so second test. Yeah. Um, listen, uh, they have an emotionally mature guy now, right? Isn't that what Jeffrey Lurie said he wanted when he fired Chip Kelly was an emotionally – uh, emotionally intelligent. Emotionally, that's the that's yes. the phrase. Yes. Yeah, so. yes. That's what Jacksonville has now. And how, how, you know, how can you not love Doug? I mean, the players love playing for Doug. I mean, you know, just the players coach through and through and so Sirianni, but uh, yeah, I, I think that they, they've got, they've got pieces, but it's a big spot for Trevor Lawrence. I know he threw three touchdowns in Los Angeles against the chargers, but that, you know, that LA environment, it, you know, fan wise, isn't Philadelphia. I mean, no. you know, no, it's, it is not. They just came off the beach. They put their surfboards in their trunk and went to the game and are hanging out, whatever the stereotype is for those L.A. fans. But it's going to be a tough test, I think, uh, for for the Jags coming in. You know, they got Devin Lloyd, a linebacker we all uh, wanted here in Philadelphia. At least I thought the Eagles probably should have drafted him. Um, but they've got young pieces, good players, but they're young. They have never been to Philadelphia, and it's just a whole different ballgame here. Um, we saw that crowd Monday night how I think it impacted Kirk Cousins. It certainly helped that Eagles defense get after him. They didn't pile up the sacks like they did in Washington, but they got a lot of pressure on him. So I just think that it's going to be a tough test for Jacksonville. And if Doug can kind of, you know, keep them focused and let them know what it's like to play in Philadelphia, then yeah, they could help. But I think it'll be a test. I think this will be a good test for the Eagles uh, before they go to Arizona the following week. But yeah, I, you, you mentioned the Lions. That was a really good test because it was on the road in a loud environment with a lot of expectations, the hard knocks thing, every everything going for the Lions. And the Eagles showed a lot of resolve in that game. So Eagles are going to be tough to beat if you're the Jaguars. You're going to have to really play them tough. I, I expect the Eagles to win this game, but it'll be a good test.
And oh, by the way, uh, one of the guys that the Eagles have to be wary of on Sunday is a guy Howie Roseman wanted a lot during this offseason. Christian Kirk has played well for Jacksonville. Yes. Yeah, now we yes. all saw the yeah. fact that said, whoa, 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 it's Christian. Are they getting Devontae Adams? Are they paying Devontae Adams? How much money are they paying Christian Kirk? Yeah, Jacksonville yeah. overpaid because they wanted him badly. Oh, he's almost living up to that contract. He's already got three touchdowns this year in three yeah. games. He's and again, give Doug and, and Press Taylor, right, to the OC down there. I mean, give yeah. those games credit yeah. for getting Kirk involved. It's not like they got him and said, okay, we're just going to, you know, maybe throw to him two or three times yeah. a game. Mike McCoy's down there, Ed. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Brian Pag and Eddie. Uh, Jim Bob yeah. Cooter Jim is Bob. down there. Jim Bob's down there. Still yeah. one of my favorite moments from last year. Hey, there's Jim Bob. <laughs> just running the mill at a press conference. Yep. Now yep. Jim Bob Cooter. The whole band's down there, John, yeah. and they're coming to Philadelphia with, uh, you know, hoping to – Play some sweet music. How's that? All right. Is there last thing, Ed? Nice. Is there any truth to the rumor that Sunday you're going to first pick up McMullen, then go down to Delaware and swing back (laughs) that 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 the four Mouseketeers will be commuting (laughs) to the cave together? I keep telling Jody, Jody Groats and Martin, neither of them live in Delaware. Uh, Yeah, Groats lives in Delaware. Elko County. County? Yeah, yeah. Martin lives uh, and moved from Delaware, so he no longer lives in Delaware. But we covers. should get we should get like a a, a Jacob Media uh, cape that we should wear. Yeah, we go on these road trips. You know, like uh, I don't know who the swole Batman would be or any of that stuff. No, oh, you're the swole Batman. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're the biggest of the bunch yeah. uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm big, but Ed's Ed's put together more than yeah. Me. Martin, yeah. Martin, Martin's got to be the fast one because he's the only one out of yeah. the three. Oh, well, but he's not breaking his leg. Yeah, he's the, he's the only uh, one that's less than 200 pounds. Yeah, he's the yeah, speedy but, Batman. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to Delaware, Jody. No, to answer your question, no, uh, I'm not picking up John. I'm not going to Delaware. All right. Well, then uh, don't don't get a speeding ticket on the uh, no. Walt Whitman Bridge. No. no, I'll get a speeding ticket coming down to the Novacare Complex to get to see Happy Tuesday from Jonathan Gannon. <laughs> so be careful. All right, it was a happy Tuesday for us because we had Ed Kratz with us here on Birds 365. Eddie K, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, bud. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ed. Ed Kratz, Sports Illustrated here with us on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, coming back a little bit later, about uh, 30, uh, 20 some odd minutes from now. We'll get a national perspective. It's nice when we have all Eagle guys on. Everybody thinks that the Eagles are maybe the best team in. The NFL, the NFC, certainly the NFC East. Sorry, Cowboy fans, Giant fans. Neither one of you wowed me last night. Um, Every once in a while, you want to take a step back and get a perspective from someone who's not inundated by Philadelphia and its coverage. Matt Verderam of Fansided going to give us that perspective. He'll join us a little bit later next hour. Keep it right here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, 
But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Guys, here on Birds 365, Jody McDonald and John McMullen uh, with an hour left to go on uh, this when, uh, Tuesday edition. Uh, we are up to show number 370. Nice round number, John. Uh, before you know it, we'll be at 400. And by that point, let's see, that's uh, 30 shows at six weeks. Could the Eagles be 9-0 and at that point? We'll have to see. Um, yeah, optimism abounds here in Philadelphia as well. It should with their three and oh start with the Jags coming to town, and we'll do that much more on the Jaguars when we get Matt Verderam up. Uh, we'll get his opinion on how quickly the Jags have become a competitive team in the uh National Football League. I uh, JM needed your take from uh, yesterday's uh Nick Sirianni press gathering, Mr. Competitive Advantage. Not all that forthcoming on eagle injury issues. No, we'll see Wednesday. Yeah, he's gone down that route. He was a little bit better last year. Um, Now he's going, you know, I remember, I forget who the injury was. um, And he said, um, you know, we were doing a press conference. I wish I could remember what the injury was, but somebody asked him about a specific player. He said, "Well, you'll get a report later." And ten minutes later, we're on the practice field, and he was out there. It's like we're going to see it in ten minutes. You can say it; um, it's fine. But yeah, who knows? I remember that. Yeah, I forget. Do you remember who the player was? I forget who the player was. Um, I'll try to think of it uh, in the break. It, but 
No, it wasn't one of the tight ends. For, Might have been Miles. Might have been Miles coming My, back. That's from, exactly what it was. Yeah. It was Miles. Yeah, coming back from the, the hamstring. And he was very, uh, uh, and literally, I'm the, this is not embellishment. Ten minutes later, we were on the practice field because he was doing this hit before practice. And he was out there. So, I mean, you're not getting a competitive advantage in, in 10 minutes, but. Oh, he, he was way ahead of you guys for 10 minutes there, John yeah. Mack. That, those old tropes die hard. I the, the one I'm most interested in is Landon Dickerson because he was obviously fighting through uh, that foot injury. Um, they took him out uh, towards the end of the game, Pursuo Peta. Only, I think it was 11 reps. They weren't good 11, good reps. Yeah, I saw Pet in the game, and I'm going, yeah. all right, well, they're giving a couple of their offensive linemen a break here because they've got the game well in hand. Uh, the broadcast uh, TV guys didn't know that uh, there was any injury involved. Um, yeah, that's something. Or, or is it a guarantee that uh, that the next practice will be a rest day for Landon Dickerson? Because he's, well, he's, he's one already of those got guys, this year. Yeah. He's one of those guys who gets the rest anyway. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he won't be practicing on Wednesday, and that'll be. But they'll list him as uh, the foot injury rather than the rest because they added him last week on Friday uh, to the injury report, um, and then they quickly said he's going to play, but um, at least behind the scenes. Um, and he did play, and you know, but clearly he's dealing with something that he's not completely right, and and we'll see if he's back by Thursday or Friday. He'll he'll probably try to gut through it, but he's not. And this is sort of the, I think a lot of fans don't understand. I mean, guys play hurt all the time, and it affects their performance. And they play hurt because they're better than the alternative, but. You know, we saw it with Chandler Hurts, the most obvious obvious example when he was fighting through the the injury he suffered last year. Ultimately, after the season, he went he underwent surgery. You know, he was fighting through it. He was playing through the injury. He wasn't the same player from a mobility standpoint. Um, happens all the time. Guys fight through injuries, and you'll say, "Well, so and so didn't have a great game." Our, our Nate Gary player Eagles fans really disliked and they couldn't understand why Jim Swartz and, and Ken Plajol uh, loved the guy loved. Him. And, uh, you know, it came out later. He played a whole season with a sports hernia because they needed him. Um, now what I'm not trying to say would have been a great player had he not had the sports hernia, but coaches have a lot of respect for things like that. So, there's always sort of contextual issues. And you got to be, that's the national football league. You have to be able to play through certain, uh, not injuries, but pain levels of tolerance of pain. It's expected of uh, guys that some guys are better at it and more willing to put up with that much more pain than others. So uh, I remember that uh, Gary story after the fact, because yeah, I was one of them going, why is this guy still in the lineup? Why are they still playing him? He's just not getting the job done. And then we found out after the fact that he was playing through pain. And even as an injured player, the Eagle coaching staff thought he was a better risk out there on the field. I, I forget who it was. We're, we're both showing our age here, Johnny. We couldn't come up with uh, guys who had 
done something or said something you couldn't remember was Miles, who was the injured player who you found out 10 minutes later. Oh, he's not that injured. He's out there on the field. Who was it we had on who gave us the, the good line about depending on where you draw the line on statistical analysis that you can add certain stats and facts to be able to say something that makes it look more awe-inspiring than it actually was. I think it was last week after Jalen's first two weeks that he was the only quarterback. Yeah, that was Kincaid. Yeah, Kevin Kincaid. Kevin Kincaid. Uh, crossing, crossing broad. Yeah, exactly. he's right, too, because yeah. he brought up uh, Robert Covington. Yeah, he's got 0.9 steals. You know, it's like, yeah, you could you can draw that line anywhere you want. But I got to tell you, through three games, you can draw any line you want, and Jalen Hurts is going to look good. Uh, Robert Covington and and 0.8% tipped passes. You you keep adding stats to make a point, then you can make it look as good as you want. I saw a pretty good one on Jalen Hurts today that uh, through three games, Jalen Hurts has over 900 yards passing and 100 yards rushing. That there hasn't been a player in the National Football League that has done that since. At the at the most, nineteen forty. They can't even go back and check some of the stats from before that. So at least for eighty years, no NFL player, no quarterback has thrown for nine hundred yards in his first three games and rushed for over a hundred yards in his first three games. That's one that isn't, I don't think, as generally created. That's just flat out stats. That's just showing that you are a combination player. And the key to me is the 900 passing yards because that's a nine to one ratio. And you and I debated this a little bit last week about how Jalen Hurts' strength is still the thing that Jalen Hurts does best in comparison to all the other quarterbacks in the league is that he's a better runner, that Lamar Jackson might be the only best, uh, better runner as far as a quarterback goes than Jalen Hurts. He isn't at that level at passing just yet. Oh, he's getting close, Johnny Mack. 900 yards through through three three games. He's moving up that uh, uh, quarterback rating uh, list pretty damn quickly, is he not? Yeah. And by the way, I think uh, number two overall in the pro football focus rankings, number one, Lamar Jackson. Interesting. The game's changing. Uh, People are more open uh, to, to the dual threat, and it's, you know, they see it with their eyes, how difficult it is for defenses to deal with. But I want to give you my Jalen Hurts stat. And then this is the one I love because this is all the Eagles care about. And if you listen to Nick Sirianni, if you listen to Shane Steichen, if you listen to Jonathan Gannon, every single one of them says the same thing. Two most important statistics, win the turnover battle, uh, win the explosive play battle, you're going to win the game. Jalen Hurts is first in explosive plays in the NFL. Jalen Hurts is first in the NFL in fewest turnover-worthy plays. That's amazing. That's amazing because usually when you're making big plays, and it's not just running, there's been a ton of deep balls for Jalen Hurts. Usually you're taking chances. We talk about Trayvon Diggs defensively, makes so many explosive plays defensively. Um, he takes chances. That's the reason he makes those plays. This guy's making the most explosive plays, and he's taking care of the football the best. That's amazing. You know, I keep 
I, I quoted Dennis Green a lot this week because I keep bringing it up. I said, you know, people are crowning the Eagles after three games. And I said, whoa, 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 slow down. It's been phenomenal. The three games have been phenomenal, but slow down. And and then I'm looking at, at the Giants last night. I'm like, yeah, we are who they thought we are, what we thought they were. Uh, another Danny Greenism. Uh, they stink, basically. Um, even though they were two and yeah, zero, and I get I get okay last night. I get I, I get Brian Dayball credit. Same thing with uh, uh, Matt Everflus in Chicago. I don't know how he's won games, but he's he's won games. But I know those two teams are not going to be relevant. It's it's a small sample size. It's a small sample size for the Eagles as well. Through this three game, they've looked like the best team in the NFL. Now I haven't seen every play of the bills the bills are really good but the bills lost the game let's be honest yeah the, the best team in the nfl was on the field with the bills on yeah Sunday. i know you're a big miami guy um i think the eagles have been the best team in the nfl um through three games now you know it's three games um and but you know here, here i'm gonna pull it up uh uh, and see where we are. So if you use the, the film, the PFF ratings, number number one overall, Eagles. Number one offense, Eagles. Number one passing offense, Eagles. Number one pass blocking offense, Eagles. Number one receiving, Eagles. Uh, you got to get to the running game, believe it or not, before they're not number one. It's amazing the way they play. It is amazing, but it's also, and I hate, and people are going to get mad at me, and here's this is the only point they're going to talk. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. There's going to be hiccups. Somebody's going to figure out something somewhere along the line. But what I can say is this is a really, really good football team. Does that start this week against Jacksonville? The fact that the Jags have some very good young players on defense, very high draft picks on defense. Yeah, they used the number one overall on Trevor Lawrence uh, two years ago, but they used the number one pick on a defensive player last year, uh, this uh, uh, this past draft. And they had two number one picks, so they used another one on Devin Lloyd, the linebacker. Is the Jacksonville Jaguars the best defense they'll have played in the first four games? Uh, yes. Um, yes. So uh, it might the, the – inability to sustain might start this week is what you're saying. It, it, you know, it's still a very young team. I'm, I'm of the belief you do have to learn to win. I mentioned that with Detroit. Um, like Detroit to me is a much better team. I just talked about a much better team than Chicago, a much better team than, than the New York giants. Um, but they haven't learned to one. They had a game one uh, this weekend and they lost it in the final minute. Um, they outplayed Minnesota. They blew it at the end. They still haven't learned to win games, which I think is a, a process you go through in the NFL. Now, the good thing about Jacksonville, they have, they have a coach who knows how to win games. And, 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 you know, so far through three games, they've looked really, really good. And that was a really impressive performance. And they just have, because they've drafted – so high for so long they have certain guys who just have 
freakish talent, and it starts with Lawrence and Walker. And you've seen already seen Walker. People, are, how can that be guy be the number one overall? Well, you've already seen how that guy could be the number one overall pick. He's freakishly talented. Um, and and you know, uh, Ed mentioned Devin Lloyd. You know, Josh Allen in recent years is another guy who's turned into to a really good player already. Uh, James Robinson, Travis Etienne is in, in the backfield. Um, they, have a, they have a lot of good players, and it, it kind of snuck up on people. And and once – I remember we were talking in the offseason about the betting markets and, and getting some value, and now the Eagles look very valuable from where they were back in March where it was like 45 to 1 or whatever it was. There was tremendous value in the Eagles. Now you can't get value in the Eagles. There was always tremendous value in Jacksonville because if Trevor, if it clicked for Trevor Lawrence, they were going to take a massive leap. I I don't know if it's clicked for him. If it has, watch out. They're going to be a good team. I think one of the pluses for them, and yes, right now, John and I aren't going to make picks today, but we're both leaning toward the Eagles getting toward 4-0. I can guarantee you that. Um, I actually am more impressed with the Jaguars because of the step they've taken up on defense than what they've done on offense. I expected the offense to be better because it just made sense that Lawrence was going to be better in year number two than year number one. He was actually going to be coached up by a guy who knows a little something about quarterbacks, Doug Peterson, as compared to what he had to deal with last year. It's the Jacksonville's improved defense that actually has has impressed me more than what the offense has done so far this season. All right, Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Coming up next, we'll get the perspectives of someone outside of the Philadelphia area. Sometimes it's nice to see how other people see it when they're not inundated with it on a day-in, day-out basis. Matt Verderam, one of the best uh, national writers and uh, podcasters when it comes to the National Football League from fanside, and he's going to join us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! 
Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. You're being on the stream. The water's fine here on Birds 365 as we talk about the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, people are pretty stoked and excited with the way the Eagles have played here in Philadelphia. Let's get a national perspective on them. Joining us from Fansided and uh, one of the best football podcasts I listen to is Stack the Box podcast every week is on point. Matt Verderam joins us here on Birds 365. How you been, MV? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing good, Matt. Let's start you off with the obvious question. Who's better, the 85 Bears or the current Eagles? Well, the Bears lost. The Eagles haven't. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Good point. Good point. But how impressed have you been with this team and Jalen Hurts specifically, the improvement? We all talk about – there's this narrative Jody and I have talked about that, that you know, you can't get accurate. To it. And, and I think player development is real. We've seen it in Josh Allen in Buffalo. We now see it with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Um, guys can improve, and we're seeing it in real time. We are. Uh, first of all, I mean, I, I'm very impressed by the Eagles. I, I put out my power rankings about an hour ago, and they're number one. I, I think they're playing like the best team in football right now. Now, they've got to sustain that. But right now, through three weeks, I think they've been the most impressive team. I know they and Miami are both the only undefeated teams. The Dolphins have won games, though, that I don't think they can sustain. Like, I, I don't think the Dolphins are winning games without game by 300 yards every week. That's not going to continue to happen. The Eagles are just killing teams. I mean, there's a yeah. difference in the way these teams are winning games. And you know, when you look at it, what's not to like? Hertz is averaging over 300 yards through the air. You've got three guys who are on pace for 1,000 yards catching the ball. Sanders is having a really good start to the year running the ball. You had nine sacks last weekend over Washington. Now, some of that is Carson Wentz got involved. But that being said, nine sacks is nine sacks. I don't care who you're playing. Yeah. Um, look, they are playing really well. And as far as Hurts goes, you're right. Like, most guys don't get more accurate. Most guys, typically, if you're not accurate in college, you're not accurate in pros. But with Hurts, Hurts got better every year he was in college. Hurts went from Alabama to Oklahoma. I, I remember when he was coming out talking to people in the league who felt like, look, he was coached by Nick Saban and Lincoln Riley. Like, those are two guys that even in the pros are well-respected. So, 
the thought was, hey, he's, he's going to be a guy who can come in, who can learn, who's got a capacity to get better. He's done that. Um, I mean, look, you don't hand out awards over three weeks. But if you were, he's the MVP of the league through three weeks of the season. That's pretty damn impressive. And uh, I, give me your take on this, because this is what annoyed me when people would say, he can't get more accurate. Yeah, he can. Don't know that he will, but he can. It is possible. Those who just dismiss it and say it can happen are wrong. And a big part of that, at least for me, is but you have to work at it. And from the day he walked in here in Philadelphia, coming in as a second-round pick, people said, man, this kid's got a good work ethic. That Jalen Hurts is ready to put in the time, the effort, everything needed, everything that you have to have to be able to improve and uh, see see your game be uh, upwardly mobile. Uh, how big a deal is that? Do you think, or, or do we overstate that to just everybody works hard, everybody's trying to get to that second contract? Uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts may work hard, but he's just one of everybody else. Or is that something that maybe those who said he couldn't get more accurate didn't put enough stock in? No, definitely um, not everybody works hard. I mean that some some guys look some guys they're just they're blessed with an incredible amount of talent and they worked hard enough um, and then they get there and and they don't work that hard. Uh, Hertz has put in a lot of time. And I think to to also make the point too, the Eagles have given him a ton of support. Um, I remember this offseason I wrote a piece on the Eagles offseason and kind of detailed every move they made and why they made it and the the inside thought about why they did what they did. And talking to people around the team for the piece, like the general thought was, look, we've got to find out just how good Jalen Hurst can be. And it's not fair to this kid to give him a half-assed effort. Like we need to put the best team around him that we can and then see if he can thrive because we think he can do it. Well, he's done it. So, you know, I think Howie Roseman, who I know has been a lightning rod at times in Philly one way or the other, like he deserves a lot of credit. They have a really good roster, a really good roster around him. And – you know, and Hurts deserves credit because he's taken that opportunity and he's run with it. You know, he could have had a good roster around him and just not been good, not worked hard enough, whatever the case may be. I also think it helped them that they gave him Nick Sirianni basically from the start of his career as a starter, and they've allowed him to, to grow together. You know, you see a lot of times if coaches going in and out, and you know, team like like right now at the Bears with Justin Fields, right? Like teams trying to figure this thing out. It's a new system. But you know, like how important coaching is in football. Look at the Jacksonville Jaguars who are going into Philadelphia on yeah. Sunday. That team, like I understand they added talent, but they didn't add anybody who's going to the Hall of Fame on that team. Okay. And now they are three and oh, or excuse me, they're two and one. Feels like they're three and oh. They're two and one. They just they just beat the hell out of the Chargers. Trevor Lawrence looks like a completely different player. Right. I mean, year to year. One year to the next looks completely different. Why? Because he's well coached. I mean, you, know, you you see that in Hurts as well. The Eagles have done a nice job surrounding him, coaching him up, and he's done a nice job of putting in the work. Yeah, and my dog's chiming in to agree with you, Matt, so if you, <laughs> if you hear her. But um, I want to talk about – you mentioned the supporting cast. To me, A.J. Brown specifically offensively has been this domino piece where – everything falls into place. Like Devontae Smith is a great young receiver. Um, you saw him last week have his yeah. career game in, in, in at Washington. Um, but, you know, as a number one in this league, he's, he's probably – that's a good player. But he's not a, a great player as a number one. As a number two, he's a great player. 
He's a great player. Or Dallas Goddard, you can go two or three. You can toggle it back and forth with Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith. But you saw last season when those were your two top options, defenses could, you know, formulate a game plan. Now that domino of A.J. Brown, what do you do? Who do you, who do you cover with this offense? And then you add the running game on top of it. Well, it's all those things. And it's also, look, they have diverse skill sets. So it really, they, they fit together well. Brown is that bigger bodied receiver who, yeah, he can get down the field, but he also can just run these intermediate routes and he's very hard to, to box out. He's very hard to tackle. Smith is a burner. He can get down the field. He can take a, a slant and go 50 yards with it. And Goddard, of course, is, you know, he'll do all the things tight ends do. He'll run a stick routes, he'll run down the seam, so on and so forth. Um, they fit really well together. And I know when I talked to people for that piece I mentioned earlier, like that was a thought of like, okay, they, they actually built it out with a basketball team in mind. They wanted to fit it like, okay, this guy is like a, a driver and a slasher, and this guy is going to post up and so on and so forth. Um, and I think they did a great job. I mean, if you look at the way this team is fit, it really has worked. And Brown is that big bodied guy who also gives Hertz a big target, like literally a physically big target. Who look, if, if he's not open, he's still open. Throw it to him. Throw him the ball. It's third and seven, that's fine. Let him go up and make a play. You see how much Tennessee misses him. They can't throw the ball for anything. So um, I was, I'll be honest, I was shocked that the Titans traded him. But I, the Eagles, I mean, the fact AJ Brown and Hollywood Brown both went for a first round pick to me is staggering. Like, they're not even in the same stratosphere as players. Um, and I think the Eagles, four years and 100 for A.J. Brown in this day and age, it's a pretty good deal. I'd take it. So, um, listen, it has all worked for Philadelphia to this point. Everybody's playing well. The line play is always a, a point of emphasis in Philadelphia. And they, the lines have been great. So, when you look at it, sitting at 3-0, and and – you, you go down the list of the, the next six, seven opponents on the schedule. I mean, Philadelphia is probably going to be favored in every one of these games. So you feel pretty good about that. Um, like the Eagles are, the Eagles are off and, and running and in the division where they could maybe run away and hide a little bit here. If, uh, if somebody could ever beat Cooper rush. That's where I was going next. We, we did the wide focus. Eagles could be the best team in the NFL. Let's go more narrow focus. NFC East. Cowboys Giants Monday night football last night. I said this earlier on the show. I was kind of impressed by both defenses. I thought both defenses played pretty well. Yeah. I wasn't impressed by either offense. Sorry, Cooper Rush. I know you know how to win, but yeah, you, you're not. All he does me. is win, Jody. All he does uh, is win. Okay. Uh, what, what was he? What was it you just said, John? It can't be sustainable. No. Cooper Rush's undefeated record also cannot be sustained. Um, are they going to run away and hide in the NFC East here? Is there, is there anyone, uh, either the Cowboys, or we don't think it's going to be the Commanders. They handled them as easily no. as they did on Sunday. Out of the Giants-Cowboys, which one can hang in with the Eagles for as long as they can? The Cowboys, only because if Dak comes back and he's healthy, then they're a real team. I don't think they're a very – I don't think they're a great team, but I think they're like a playoff caliber team. So I would say that the Giants – look, I think Dable's a really good hire. And I think he's going to make them more competitive. That being said, Daniel Jones can't play. He's no. just not good. And you're not, you're not winning 10, 11, 12 games with Daniel Jones, which is, I think, at bare minimum, what you're going to have to do to keep up with Philadelphia. I mean, if you look at Philadelphia's schedule, no, they got to play Dallas a few times. That can obviously shrink gaps and stuff like that. But, I mean, it, the Eagles' schedule is not that hard. 
It really is not. As you as you look down the stretch here, it's a little harder toward the end of the year. Uh, but no, I, I think Dallas is probably the only one. Washington's not good. The Giants, they know are two and one. The hell, they might be three and one. They play the Bears this weekend at, at the Meadowlands. Um, I think the Giants will fade. The Cowboys, the Cowboys are the team that if they can stay afloat here and they get Washington at home, they could very well win that game even with Rush. If they stay afloat. You know, they, they could be a team that wins in double digits. So I think it's definitely Dallas. Washington and New York, to me, are just after Rams. And, and maybe New York hangs around a little bit after the fast start. But I don't think the talent level is anywhere near uh, what, what Philadelphia has. All right. I'm I'm going to put the cart before the horse here, Matt. So, but I want to get the national perspective from this. And we know how difficult – it is to build your teams. You just talked about the job, and I agree with you. Howie Roseman did tremendous job. It's a lot easier to do when you're paying the quarterback a million dollars. After this season, Jalen Hurts is eligible for an extension for the first time. If he continues to play like this, that's going to be a big number. How how difficult does it become there? You talk about – what is it? Is it Jalen Hurts' improvement? Is it the roster around him? The, 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 the obvious answer is it's a little bit of both. Yeah. But how much more difficult when he gets that second contract does this become? Well, I, I think, look, first off, it is both. Right? I mean, look, you, you can't talk about Hurts being this much better without talking about how much better the team is. I mean, that, that's just part and parcel. And I, I know some people take that as like criticism of Jalen Hurts. It's not. It's just reality. He's, he's got a better team around him. So – uh, and he's taking advantage of it. You're right, though. Like, look, John, if, if they if they continue to play like this, and Hurts is – like, let's even say he's not the MVP of the league. Let's say he's, you know, top 10 quarterback, no doubt, by the end of the year. Okay, well, you're paying him. You're paying him. And guess what? You're paying him 50-plus million a year because that's that's what the going rates could be. I talked to three very prominent agents right around Memorial Day uh, for a column I did about Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. I said, look, if these guys have good years and you were their agents, what would you ask for? And all of them individually said $55 million a year. So, I mean, Hertz is going to be expensive. Hertz is not going to be cheap. This is not going to be – he's not getting $41 million a year. He's going to get 50-plus. And Lamar Jackson might get about 60 based off the way that thing's going in Baltimore right now. So, look, it, it gets harder. Now, it should be noted that a lot of times with these extensions, those, those big dollars don't kick in until after the rookie deal ends. So, the Eagles, I yeah. think, would still have a couple of years where they have – They'd have very affordable uh, cap hits with Hertz. It, it would be after that. I think the Eagles probably have this in maybe two more years of like, okay, they can, especially one more year, and then the option gets a little more expensive. But I think for two more years, Eagles be okay financially. And then it becomes, yeah, you got to make a decision. You know, you got to make decisions on certain guys. And you see that all around the league. I mean, the Bills are about to go through that. The Bills, they better, they better win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Because when that number goes up with Allen, a lot of that defense is going to be out the door. It's got it's got to be. You can't afford – that's why Chiefs traded Tyree Kill. The Chiefs traded Tyree Kill because they had to build their defense through the draft. They, they knew there's no way we can just go out and sign three more guys. You can't. So the key, of course, is when that day comes, you've got to build through the draft. And the Eagles have drafted well. If you can continue to draft well, you'll be fine. It's the teams that can't draft well – that all of a sudden become very top-heavy, like I think, frankly, the Rams are about to become, and you fall off because now you're paying this quarterback, but yet, but yet you don't have any influx of talent. You're right about the Jalen Hurts thing. That's a little scary. 
Jalen yeah. 50 plus. Those we, numbers, have, we haven't gotten yeah. into that 50 yeah. plus conversation yet, but you're probably oh, right there. Coming. And oh, by the way, remember, he's a second round draft pick, so they don't have an option yet. That's true. They got one more you're year. Right. You're right now. And then the year after, it's going to balloon up pretty quickly because right. he was the first round guy. Um, do want to ask you a National Football League, oh, uh, of course, a league question. Before the year started, I said the AFC West is the unquestionable best division in football. And I didn't really think it was close. Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> oh, no. Chiefs lose to a team that hadn't won a game yet. Chargers get pounded. I know they got some injuries, but that's life in the National Football League. We've got to deal with injuries. Get beat up badly by the Jags. Denver, to their credit, held on and won in a snore fest 11 to 10 uh, against uh, the uh, 49ers. We should all file a class action lawsuit for that game. Yeah, that wasn't <laughs> wasn't the most exciting game ever to come down. No. Uh, and, oh, by the way, the Josh McDaniels-led Raiders. Man, do I feel good about this because I think the guys are stiff. And he was almost the coach at Eagles. Johnny Mack could tell you that old story. Uh, and he can't coach his way out of a paper bag. But the Raiders are 0-3. What the hell happened to the AFC West? Uh, well, I think you kind of just hit on the point I was going to make. Uh, the coaching stinks in the AC West. That, that's what happened. Ooh, don't, don't let Andy hear you say that. Uh, hey, listen, and, well, I'm not talking about Andy right now. Although okay. I, I, although Andy Andy's had his own issues so far this year with their offense. But I, I think, look, when you look at these four teams, Nathaniel Hackett, I've never seen anybody ever. More wow. over his head through two. I mean, it is Josh McDaniels with Denver. He was he the had, last one. Yeah, he was he, the Denver's last really one. got a longstanding tradition yeah. with this. Like, <laughs> I mean, you hack it. It honestly, like I, I almost feel bad saying it because it feels like piling on at this point. But it, it feels like if a kid played against him in Madden, like a thirteen-year-old kid, they'd be able to just handle him, right? Ooh. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable how incompetent. They are running anything, right? Like whether it's like getting out there and snapping the ball on time, or it's having a punt returner on the field. Like it's been, it's been bad. Also, that's been married with Russell Wilson has not looked uh, like they expected it to look. So you have that in Denver. The Raiders. I mean, Jody, you said exactly what I was going to say. Like Josh McDaniels. By the way, do you know in his last twenty-five games as a head coach, he's five and twenty. Oh, yeah, it's not good. Oof. Okay, and also they can't block the three of us. So they have all kinds of problems. Devontae Adams maybe would like to go back to his former Hall of Fame quarterback, not his current one. And then you have the Chargers who, look, I said this at the beginning of the year, and I, I feel fairly vindicated with this. The Chargers, I think, are really talented if you look at their top 10, 12 guys on the roster. Maybe the most talented in football. The problem is after that, they are very, very shallow on their depth chart. And if you have any kind of injuries, you're a, you have a big, big, big problem. Well, they have a lot of injuries. Mm -hmm. And the one thing about them, they find ways to lose games. They should have beat the Chiefs in week two. They dropped a million interceptions. Mahomes had probably the worst day of his life. He threw four balls right at guys who couldn't catch any of them. The Chiefs had a seventh-round rookie catch a ball and run 100 yards the other direction. Like, he might have ran with the division title. Because when you look at these teams, look, Kansas City had an awful loss to the Colts. If you guys watched that game or anybody watching the show watched that game, yeah, watch that. that game looked like the Chiefs bet the Colts' money line. That game was unbelievable. I, Kansas City did everything imaginable to lose that game and still almost won. Um, like I think the Chiefs will be fine. They might even lose this week in Tampa, but I think the Chiefs are going to win their 12 games. And they'll, you know, they'll, they will, I think, eventually win this division by a couple of games. When they get to January, they'll be as scary as anybody. But 
Look, you guys watched Andy Reid for a long time. There are some games he comes out with plans that it's unbelievable and nobody can touch him. And there are other games where it's like, did they prepare for this team? Did they know this game was coming? That fell into the latter category, but I think Kansas City will be just fine. I think Kansas City is clearly the best team in the division. Yeah, with Nathaniel Hackett, it's interesting, Matt, because I got the feeling that they hired him. Their their whole plan was Aaron Rodgers, baby. Yes, it was. And then they didn't get Aaron Rodgers, and that's not why you hire a coach. I mean, uh, you, you, that was a bet, and I love George Payton. I, I love him. Uh, I think he's a great personnel guy, but, man, that was a bad hire. I hate that, you know, short sample size. But you're right. He's just completely unprepared. It's it's never good when two games into a career, you're hiring a coach to coach your coach. Like, they literally yeah. brought in an yeah. assistant head coach to just make decisions for him on game day. That's That's a problem. If you have to do that after two games, it probably is not going to be a longstanding situation. Oh, look, you know, the other part with Denver, too, I got to tell you, I just don't think when you watch them offensively, they've got good running backs. I think Sutton's a nice receiver. Judy can be at times, although Judy drops the ball too often. They just don't have a ton of talent. Like Offensively, they're all right. I'm not saying they're, they're without talent, but they're, they're not loaded. <clears throat> you don't look at them and say, how do you stop them? And if Russell Wilson's not going to scramble and he's not going to run for some yardage, he's a totally different quarterback. I mean, he's just a completely different player. Right. So I think that AFC West, you, you know, you guys are right. Like you look at it. I think the Chargers have enough talent that perhaps they can turn around, but losing Slater is a huge injury. Yeah. That that offensive line without him is a big problem. And then you compound that with, oh, by the way, the quarterback has fractured rib cartilage. Like none of it's good. I will say, you know, they play the Texans this week in Houston. And normally you'd say, Oh, that's a get right game. This is a game over the course of the years with the Chargers where they, this is the game like they go down there and lose by 20 points inexplicably. So can they can they win? Because if they lose this game, it might be time to turn out the lights. We'll see. All right, Maddie, I want to ask about one other team, not a whole division, but one team that I may have to eat some crow on. I was pretty bullish on the Saints coming into the season. So that and I went back and forth on this. He thinks – the Eagles are going to benefit from having the Saints pick because it actually could be in a pretty good spot. As of right now, it's the seventh overall pick, so he's right. I, I Maybe I put too much faith in Jameis Winston. Maybe I put too much faith in their defense. Alvin Kamara's looked average for me this year. I thought when they got his suspension pushed back because he keeps dragging his feet in court. Uh, all right, got to get off to a fast start. Winston looks like Jameis. He's got four touchdowns and five interceptions. Did I blatantly overrate the Saints before the year started? Yes, but so did I. So I'm in the same boat as you. Um, I thought I thought they would be a good team. I thought they'd win 10, 11 games just because their, their roster looks like a really good roster. The problem is, is Jameis is playing like Jameis. He also has a bunch of back fractures, which I don't think is helping anything. And Dennis Allen kind of looks like head coach Dennis Allen and not defensive coordinator Dennis Allen. Like Their offense stinks. Their offense is way too much talent to be this bad, and yet it is this bad. Um, they're lucky they're not 0-3, honestly. Sure. I mean, they're really fortunate they're not 0-3. So yeah, they've not played well. They have not been good. Um, you know, Jameis just <laughs> – there are times with him where you're, you're tantalized by his talent, and then there are other times, and frankly, more often than not, the times you're like, what are you doing? Why are you throwing that ball? Who are you looking at? Where I, It's just – 
when you have a defense as good as New Orleans has, you think like you would just play a safer game, but he doesn't. He will just throw the ball into harm's way because he doesn't care. Like he 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 will he will take chances that are reckless. Um, and then again, I think the coaching too, like their offense, you're right. Like it should be through Alvin Kamara. Well, it hasn't been, it hasn't been through Alvin Kamara. So, um, you know, the Saints throw the ball deep more often than any team in football, but they're not hitting on these throws. They're just throwing incompletions down the field. It's not working out. Chris Olave's look pretty good, but other than that, it's, it's not been, it's not been good in New Orleans. Yeah, to me, it was kind of simple with the Saints, and Drew hasn't been there for a while. But, you, you, you know, to assume you're going to be the same team, but you're moving on from Drew Brees and Sean Payton, who I don't think is a Hall of Fame coach, but he's a very good coach, and you're replacing him with Dennis Allen. Well, they went 11 games with those guys, 11-12. They're not going to win 11-12 with Jameis Winston and Dennis Allen. To me, I, I don't know. You're going to have those hiccups when you make that kind of change. Plus, I'm not a big Dennis Allen fan, but I I am a big Doug Peterson fan. I want to ship to the Jags uh, with you, Matt. Now, they've been bad for so long, and and I I said that was my easiest prediction because Urban Meyer was such a disaster. You were going to get professionalism. You were going to – so it was obvious to me that Jacksonville was going to be very happy with Doug Peterson, at at least early in the process. But they've been drafting, you know, the top of the draft for so long, all of a sudden you wake up and say, Oh, I got some talent here. And uh, the Jags is they look like a potential playoff team to me. Am I skipping steps? No, I don't think you are a, that division is atrocious. So, I mean, they, they, they might win that division. I, I thought they'd win seven or eight games this year. I really, I, I, I think I picked them to go seven and 10 officially, but I, you know, I, I'm not surprised they're a lot better. They couldn't have been any worse. And I really do believe, and, and you guys have a few years on me, but I, like, I think like he's Urban Meyer's got to be the worst head coach I've ever seen in the NFL, ever. Like, hilariously bad, right? Like, almost to the point that you thought it was a bit at one point. Like, it was just going to be like a long game that Saturday Night Live had going for four months. Like, I, I can't believe he was ever head coach in the NFL. Um, Doug Peterson, say whatever you want. I mean, he's a Super Bowl-winning head coach. He's an adult in the room. He knows how to coach offense. And by the way, it's working out. Like they are moving the ball. When you watch them, and I've watched every snap of them this year, like they don't do anything down the field, really. They're not a team that's going down the field. It's a lot of quick games, a lot of short passes underneath. It's a lot of James Robinson and Travis Etienne. But you know what? It's working. Moving the ball right down the field. Now, they're going to run into teams that are more talented than them. I think they might have a tough weekend this weekend in Philadelphia. But they're not going to run to any teams more talented than them in the division. They're more talented than those three teams. You know, they, look, the AFC South this year, they play the AFC West. It just killed the Chargers. They could definitely beat Denver and the Raiders. Those games were at home. You know, would I pick them to go into Arrowhead and win? No, probably not. But so what? If you go 3-1 and against the AFC West, you're pretty happy about it. Um, I'm impressed by them. And I think – I thought 7-8 wins at the beginning of the year. I could see them maybe getting to 9 or 10 wins. I, do, I, I could see that they – Lawrence is playing a lot better. They've got some real talent. Like, I don't think they're as good as Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore. I, I don't think they're there yet. But could they make the playoffs and win that division? Yeah, they could. And that's a huge step for a team that's been the number one overall pick holder the last couple of years. Matty, last thing for me, uh, and this is something that I think I'm borderline obsessed with. Um, today is day 32 of Aaron Donald's free pass from assaulting a 
uh, Cincinnati Bengal player with a helmet, and we've heard nothing. Zero. Zip, zero, zilch in weeks now about if there's going to be any repercussions for what he did. The NFL is trying its hardest to sweep this under the rug. I understand the Rams trying to sweep it under the rug because they don't want to lose the best defensive player in the National Football League. But the league has to do something about this. And I'm not buying the whole, oh, we can't do anything because it's practice. Well, you can punish the Rams and then ask the Rams to turn around and punish the player. They've done nothing. If we have you on five weeks from now, am I going to say it's day 72 of the free pass for Aaron Donald from the National Football League? How's yes. this stuff going to shake out? Yeah, yes, that's exactly what's going to happen. The NFL is not going to do anything. But I, I give you credit. You might be the only person who still – He is. That's I what am. I said. I, Matt. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. No, if but I that's fine. the banner carrier, but, I will but, because it's hypocrisy <laughs> at its highest. But here's the, here's the point, Jody. It, the NFL, you know, sticks their finger up, and what's the win? Nobody's talking about it except Jody McDonald, so they don't care. I'll beat that drum until, until the cows come home. I appreciate that, Jody. You have the, you have this commitment. Like you, you've hung on there for do. more than a month at this point. That is admirable. I do not think anything is going to happen because I don't think the NFL is concerned about it. But I agree with you in one way, though. Like, I, look, if you're going to have all these joint practices – Okay, it's not just a regular team practice. Now it is more like a scrimmage. And now, okay, it's not a game. I get that. But it's, but it's two teams getting together. If, if, if you've got a guy swinging a helmet and cracking somebody over the head with it, like, that, that's a problem. Okay? Yes. And Aaron Donald, like, you've got – like, here, you know what? Here, here's, a, here's my way of putting it. So, right now, now these are all, this all happened in games. Right? This is different. But I think the hypocrisy point stands. Tom Brady, I think it's fair to say against the Saints, incited a, a, a fight. Okay, him and Bruce Arians, like, were at the middle of like inciting this whole thing that Mike Evans got suspended for, and rightfully so. By the way, pushed the guy with the camera. That's fine, but Brady gets nothing out of this. Nothing, not a fine, not a talk, nothing. We talked about this game earlier. The Chiefs and the Colts, as bad as the Chiefs were, they're going to win that game. And Chris Jones gets called for unsportsmanlike conduct for talking to Matt Ryan. With four minutes to go in the game, it was fourth and 13. The Colts are going to have to punt the ball back to the Chiefs. We're up four at this point. They're going to win the game if they get the punt back. Chris Jones gets called for talking. And you're like, that flips the whole game. And yet Tom Brady and Bruce Aarons, who's not a head coach anymore, who just happens to be on the sideline, incites what, what was a borderline brawl in the Saints-Bucks game. Nothing, no penalty, Nothing at all. Just offsetting and everybody goes, you know, like, how how do all these things equate? No, look, whatever. Chris Jones, he talked and he shouldn't have fine. But, like, if that's a penalty, how are all these guys taking penalties? That is my biggest problem with the NFL. It's consistency of the calls. And, and the consistency, by the way, of suspensions as well, which is just all over the map. Guy does this, he gets this. Guy does the same thing a year later, he gets two games more. It doesn't make a lot of sense. The NFL should be a lot better with that. And I think of it as not an easy job. I think Goodell's got one of the hardest jobs on the planet. That's why he gets paid 30 to $40 million. It's not easy. And from time to time, he stubs his toe and gets it wrong. There's there's no stubbing of the toe here with Aaron Donald. He swung a helmet in anger at another. The NFL, the most conscious 
uh, concussion company on the planet yeah, no, the, are going to let them get away with doing something like no, that? Jody, just you BS. know, you know, this league does everything because of the court of public opinion. So yeah. before you blame the NFL, blame the fans who, who are not, you know, if the fans were up in up, up, up in arms, they would do something, but they don't care. So the league doesn't care. And, and the, the hypocrisy is there. But I said, I always say pointing out hypocrisy to hypocrites is a fruitless exercise because they don't care. They don't care about hypocrisy. Yeah, you're right. Well, you're, uh, you're... And, and when will it become a big issue here in Philadelphia? When the Eagles are playing the Rams in the NFC Championship game. Everyone will be, hey, hey, Jody, you were right. Why don't we suspend Aaron Donald this week? That's when it will become a topic of conversation here in Philadelphia. Matty V, always a pleasure, buddy. Thank you much for hopping on board. Uh, since I mentioned five weeks, why don't we get you back in five weeks? Circle on your calendar now. We're going to need you back in five weeks, okay? Hey, let's do it anytime, guys. That Thanks, is man. Matt Verderam from Fanside and his uh, podcast, Stack in the Box, an excellent one for you uh, NFL fans out there. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, coming back. You know what we got to do? Put a bow on this show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
coming down the home stretch of a Tuesday edition of Birds 365. Johnny Mac, what's on the uh, work docket for you the rest of the day? Eagles availability <clears throat> practice. Where are you headed? Where are you going? And are you crazy enough to get in a car with Ed Kratz again? Uh, I am not getting in the car with Ed Kratz. I am getting in the car, though. It's coordinator day. So, John, Jonathan Gannon, Shane Steich, and Michael Clay. Uh, before we ramp up uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If, and uh, you asked, I thought, the best question yesterday when you had your coach responsibility. So if you're just looking for a tip from your buddy, uh, give Shane Steichen a chance to do a little bit of a maybe honesty, but a victory lap as well. How much does the offensive coordinator get credit when a play like the one they had to Jalen Smith, uh, Jalen uh, uh, Devontae Smith down the sideline from Jalen Hurts gets made to rush to the line of scrimmage to be able to get that snap off yeah. before the opposing coach gets to challenge it. How much is uh, that in the lap? Well, I gave I gave him credit for doing that because Ron Rivera obviously didn't didn't get the challenge out in time. I think it would have been. I don't know because uh, FedEx Field. I've said that pretty consistently. Right. Now I've seen it since. I. It's close. I don't know They're if they really would have overturned close. It could have gone either way. It's one of yeah. those. So could have gone either way. Which means they called the Eagles, it. Sorry I, to interrupt you. Um, the reason uh, that I would say the Eagles probably, if it had been challenged, it might not have been overturned was because the call on the field. Stands. Yeah, exactly. Call on the field. And I think it would have stood. Now, I asked everybody after the game on, on the Jacob post game show and all that, and they were all telling me it would have been overturned. Now that I've gotten a chance, I don't think it would have been overturned. It was close. But, it was really close. But I, I, and that's why, because if it, if we were on the field, if it were called incomplete on the field, I don't think it would have been overturned. I think because yep. they called it on the field, I think they would have stuck with it. Um, but still, all the credit in the world for getting up there and, and, and getting that playoff and not giving Ron Rivera the opportunity. You know, I, I wrote that. After the game, I said that was that was a key moment key because yep. now in in my head I was thinking it was going to be overturned. Now that I've rewatched it, I think they would have stayed with the call. But either way, it's a smart thing to do. Steichen take a victory lap for that, you think? Hey, Shane Steichen's going to be a head coach in this league. I mean, he's going to get plenty of victory laps. If if, if this offense, this is the best offense in football. If that continues. Sayonara, Shane Steichen. That's how this league works. So enjoy Shane Steichen while you have Shane Steichen. All right, Johnny Netmac, we need to exit stage left. Have a good coordinator day down at the uh, Novacare Complex. I'm ready to do another show. I know I got to wait 22 hours, but uh, I'm ready to do another Birds 365. Are you? Yeah, Doug Peterson week. Ramping up on Wednesday. That's the official start. Doug Peterson week is here. We will do just that in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.